I want to say welcome to everyone here at our Noonan campus, everyone at our LaGrange campus and watching online. Now, honestly, how many of y'all have already started watching Christmas movies? Anybody? All right. How many of y'all have started listening to Christmas music? Okay. With, without me prompting this, I'm, I'm being very serious. Last night I got home and my daughter, McKenna, three years old, runs up to me and says, Daddy, we're about to watch Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. She had no clue I was going to show that clip from the Island of Misfit Toys for my message. And this is just the heart of my daughter. I, I, have, I have a wife and two girls, so I, you know, I'm surrounded by females, and they love d- d- these, these Christmas movies and these Christmas songs. Christmas movies are never off limits for them. I have to deal with Christmas movies year-round. I'm being dead serious. Like, the Pentatonics Christmas album... <laughs> we have some people who really like the pentatonics. I have nightmares about it, though, because I hear it all the way from January till Christmas. It is nonstop when I'm hearing Christmas stuff. This, this will show you even more. All right, I got home a few weeks ago, about a month ago now. I pull in. It's the beginning of November. I come in. I walk in the door, and Lauren and the girls run up to me, and they say, Hey, Daddy, we got a surprise for you. I was thinking, oh, cool. I mean, what is this about to be? And they said, look in the dining room. I turned the corner, and our Christmas tree is up, y'all. I'm just now starting to think about, like, turkey and stuffing and all these desserts, and they're already into Christmas. I walk outside, taking the trash out. My neighbor's standing outside staring at my house. I'm for real. And he looks at me and goes, do you know your Christmas tree's already up? (laughs) You could see it through the window. I was like, Lauren, close the blinds. Close the blinds if we're going to have this up already. How many of y'all had y'all's tree up at the beginning of November? Anybody else? There's a few weird ones in here with us, all right? <laughs> well, we are excited about the Christmas season here around Southcrest. We have a tradition where we do a series called Adventus. It starts today. And this word Adventus comes from the Latin word, and what that means is the arrival, or the coming. And as you celebrate this this season, for some people it's a tradition for Christians throughout the month of December. It's the first couple Sundays before Christmas starts. It actually starts today and ends on Christmas Eve. And the whole goal of this is to keep our minds focused on Christ during the holiday season of Christmas. What some people don't know is since that word does mean the arrival or the coming, is that Jesus actually already fulfilled the first advent when he came to this earth as a baby. And now we wait in anticipation for the second advent of Christ when he's going to come as reigning king. So we are celebrating both of those seasons of advent today. You know, with all the details of Christmas comes a lot of different things. You have lights, you have decorations, you have gifts and presents, you have all these different meals you eat with people, and it is so much fun to think about. But hopefully as we go through this season together as a church and as a family, we really keep our attention on Christ. Let's pray, and then we're going to jump into this. Lord Jesus, God, we know you are here with us right now. God, as we stand in your presence, we draw our attention on you. God, I ask that the words I speak today will be your words. And God, as we look at your scripture and we look at the stories about you and the things that you taught us, God, I pray every single one of us will leave here changed today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So with the season of Christmas, a lot of people do have the tradition of gifts and presents. 
Now, who doesn't like receiving a gift every now and then? Now, it is fun as you think about, man, how do I want to show my family and my friends that I love them through the things I'm going to buy? I do have one problem with gifts and presents, and my problem is the wrapping of the gifts and presents, okay? Am I the only male in the room that really struggles with wrapping presents? <laughs> All right, LaGrange, I know there's got to be a couple who struggle with wrapping presents. I am awful at wrapping up presents. Put it this way. For me, it is the equivalent of Lauren saying, hey, Caleb, will you go rip me off a piece of plastic wrap? Really? I think plastic wrap was invented to teach me patience. Seriously, every time I rip plastic wrap, it like folds up on itself. And then for five minutes, I'm trying to untangle it. There's multiple things that I refuse to do in life. It's rip plastic wrap, try to find anything in Lauren's purse, and I'm about to add wrapping presents to this. I did not wrap this present. Trust me, I did not wrap this. I struggle with it. Lauren has shown me so many times, this is how you wrap a present. And I will try my hardest. And I wrap a present, and I get to the end of it, and the back of it looks like this. Okay? The back looks like this, where I have to go find a piece of paper. I do probably what any male would do. I grab another piece of paper, and what I do? I just cut it out and fit it in right there and put a piece of tape on it, right? No one's ever going to notice. I am awful at wrapping presents. (laughs) But I'm also resourceful. Because there is an amazing invention called the gift bag. There is a gift bag for everything. Jewelry, gift bag. Clothes, gift bag. Refrigerator, gift bag. Fits everything. But presents and gifts are a fun tradition for many people during the Christmas season. It is fun to think about how are we going to just do these different things and surprise people. But what I want to ask you today is I want to ask you this question. Have you thought about what gift am I going to be giving Jesus this Christmas season? It's a very valid question that hopefully we all think through. We see gifts talked about all throughout Scripture. And maybe it's talked about in ways that you didn't know. As we read the Bible, we encounter words like sacrifice and offering. You see, sacrifices and offerings in the Old Testament had to be brought before God as atonement for sin, as a way of forgiveness when we messed up and made mistakes before God. That's what people in the Old Testament had to do. They had to bring it, set it on a physical altar, and sacrifice it to God. Now, in the first advent that we find in the New Testament, Jesus came as our final sacrifice that we no longer have an actual altar that we bring things to. Because Jesus came and said, I'm going to be your final sacrifice. He came as our spotless, pure lamb and died on that cross for us. But the idea of this sacrifice continues actually through the New Testament. And the neat thing is you can take this word sacrifice and offering, and many times throughout the Bible it is translated to a gift given willingly. So what's really neat is as we are reading these verses about sacrifices and offerings, we can really understand it when we apply that understanding of a gift given willingly. So I did ask you a few minutes ago, this Christmas, season, this Christmas season, have you thought about what gift you are going to give Jesus? And now that we understand the application of sacrifice and offering and how it can really impact our lives as we're going through this, I think we're going to learn some great things today. I want us to look at Romans chapter 12. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn there with me. If not, these verses will be up on the screen. So Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says this. 
Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Okay, so now that we have an understanding, what if this said, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living gift to God. It kind of puts it into a new perspective, right? Another translation says this, Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping You're eating, you're going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. So as we see here, the greatest gift we can give God is our everyday life. What if every morning when you woke up, you said, God, I'm going to live my life as a gift to you? That kind of brings everything together for us, doesn't it? It focuses us in on how we should be living, on our relationships, You see, this applies to everyone in the room today, whether you're here in Noonan, LaGrange, or watching online. This applies to every single one of us in two ways. Today, maybe you need to give your life to Christ for the very first time. That you need to surrender everything in your life to Him and ask Him to forgive you of your sins and be your Lord and Savior. Because Jesus came as the greatest gift we could ever receive, right? And we get to give back to Christ by giving of ourselves. The second way this could apply to you is if you already are a Christian, you've given your life to Christ, is you get to ask yourself, how am I living every single day to glorify and honor God, to be that living sacrifice, to be that living offering, that living gift to Him? One story that I love that we're going to be looking at that I think is really going to help us today as we learn this idea of giving our lives to Christ is found in Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, we're going to start in verse 36. It says this. It says, When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. I believe this story teaches us two very important things today. You see, as I was reading this story, a lot of times I always focus on the gift of the alabaster jar. Maybe you've heard this story before or not. But I always focus on this woman had this alabaster jar and poured it on Jesus' feet. And then I realized that this woman gave Jesus a gift before she gave him the gift of the alabaster jar. If you're taking notes, write this down. The first gift she gave Jesus was her brokenness. The first gift she gave Jesus was her brokenness, was her burden, was her surrender. You see, this is the most important way we can start our gift to Jesus because this is a position of our heart. The first gift she gave Jesus was her brokenness. As I say that, you may be thinking, wow, that sounds like a terrible gift. That sounds like that gift like my great aunt Sue always gives me of like socks and underwear every single Christmas. At first glance, when you hear it, yeah, it might sound like a terrible gift, but it is actually a gift that God wants and he desires from every single one of us. You see, earlier we did, uh, we showed a clip from Rudolph the Red-Nosed 
reindeer. And that was a scene from the island of misfit toys, where all these toys where they were, they were broken, or they felt like they were created wrong, or they felt like something was wrong with them, or they were the wrong name, or they were the wrong shape, and they felt like no one would want them. I feel like sometimes we look at the sin in our life, our, our brokenness, our burdens that we're carrying, and we feel like we have to hold them to ourselves because no one wants them. The Bible teaches us that God wants them, that we get to take our brokenness, we get to lay it at the feet of Jesus, that he takes on our burden. You see, her brokenness in the story was the beginning of her surrender to Jesus. Let's look at Psalm 51, 17. It says this, the sacrifice you desire, the gift you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Here's some background. The man who wrote this, his name's David. He had just got done really messing up. He had an affair with a woman named Bathsheba. He then had her husband put on the front lines of the army knowing that they were going into battle so he would be killed, thinking that was going to fix everything. Long story short, he realizes he was not perfect. He realizes he makes mistakes. He's carrying this burden, this brokenness, and he goes before God, and he lays it at God's feet, realizing that God says, guess what? Bring your brokenness to me. Bring your burdens to me. I want to help you. I want to heal you. I want to make you whole. Can you picture this scene of this woman now? This woman who is broken. She wasn't even invited to the Pharisee's house. She comes, she somehow makes her way into the Pharisee's house, gets close enough to Jesus that her tears wet his feet. Many scholars believe that this woman was a prostitute. We'll explain more later, but due to her alabaster jar and the way that she is described in the scripture of the way this Pharisee said, of a sinful woman where he said, if, if Jesus would have known who this is, he wouldn't let her touch her, he wouldn't let her be here. Y'all think about the scene for a moment. Paint this picture in your mind. It tells us that Jesus was reclining at a table. The tradition of the day is the tables were short. There would be a cushion on the ground, and they would lean over, and they'd probably have their elbow down, and they would eat while they're reclining. So this woman comes in. Who knows what she looks like? Completely broken. She's standing close enough to Jesus that her tears wet his feet. She doesn't stop there. It says she takes her hair. She gets down close enough to Jesus. I don't have any hair, so y'all really got to visualize this great, all right? Use your imagination. She gets close enough to Jesus that she takes her hair and starts cleaning Jesus' feet. We read later on in the story that Jesus looks at the Pharisee and says, you didn't offer to wash my feet when I came in. Tradition was that you would clean your feet before you walked into someone's house because you were wearing sandals. And it was dusty and it was dirty. So this gives us even more visualization for this story because as her tears were wetting his feet, think about all the dirt on Jesus' feet. Think about how messy this would have been. But Jesus isn't afraid of your mess, and he's not afraid of your dirt. So she's sitting there, and she's cleaning his feet. Depending on how long her hair was, she might have had to get down on her hands to wipe down the feet of Jesus. 
as she's kneeling there, cleaning Jesus' feet, what's going through everybody's mind? Is the Pharisee looking at her? Obviously he was going, what are you doing here? You don't belong here. You don't deserve this. I know who you are. What was she thinking? Was she thinking, what are people thinking of me? Or was she thinking, I don't care. I'm in the presence of Jesus. I'm going to lay my brokenness before him. The Bible doesn't tell us why she was broken. Was she broken because of her past sin? Was she broken because of her circumstances? Was she broken because of the joy that she had just found in Christ? You see, brokenness a lot of times gets a negative perspective, doesn't it? Brokenness can lead to healing. Brokenness can lead to restoration. She's down on her hands and feet, cleaning Jesus' feet. What was Jesus thinking in this moment? He's thinking, you are my child. You are loved. You are forgiven. It is by grace that you will be saved. At the end of this story, he looks at the woman and says, your faith, your faith is what has saved you. Does our brokenness bring us to the feet of Jesus? Does it bring us to the point where we say, God, I just need you? You see, brokenness, it truly does lead to healing. It leads to restoration. It leads to health. We read a verse earlier that stated that the sacrifice that God desires is a broken spirit. Are you in a season of brokenness? Do you remember a season of brokenness? Another verse tells us in Psalm 34, 18, it says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He is close to the brokenhearted. Another verse in Psalm says, Give your burdens to the Lord and he will take care of you. That's the type of God that we serve, the type of God that loves us. Our brokenness can bring us closer to Jesus instead of distant distancing us from him. You see, your burden, your brokenness is not a burden to God. God has the ability and wants to give us the gift of replacing our burdens and our brokenness with his blessing. We just have to be willing to give them to him. It's the greatest gift swap ever, right? You always wonder, like when you go to a gift swap, is my gift going to be better than the one someone else gives me? Your gift is never better than the gift Jesus is going to give you. And Jesus wants our messiness. Jesus wants that brokenness. You see, we have this box. We have our life. We look at it, and we're like, God, I'm not perfect. I'm not all put together. Are you sure you want this? Are you sure you want it? Do you ever second guess a gift that you buy for someone? I do all the time. You got buyer's remorse. Like, you know, I'll go buy something for Lauren, and then... What you do is you start dropping hints, right, to see if they're going to like it. And you try to be smooth about it. There's even been times before where I'm just like, Lauren, do you want to know what gift you got? I'm kind of stressed about it. Can I just tell you what it is, and you tell me if you're going to like it, and then we'll keep it, or I'll take it back? <laughs> Have you ever done that before? I think sometimes we look at God, and we're like, God, are you sure you want this? Are you sure you want my, you sure you want my brokenness? God, I got so much sin in my life. Look, I don't have it put together. I'm not perfect. Do you know what I've done in my past? God, are you sure you want this? It's going to be dirty. It's going to be messy. And Jesus is looking at you saying, that's the gift I want. That's the gift I want. Because when we are willing to bring our brokenness, that shows that we're willing to bring our heart. Are you willing 
to bring the messy, the not perfect, the stained, the wrinkled, whatever it may be. Are you willing to bring this to Jesus and say, God, I know it's not perfect, but man, this is what I got. Because God wants to make you whole. God wants to bring healing and restoration in our life. You see, we can't put our life back together on our own. No matter how many times we try or how hard we try, we can't do it. When we surrender and give God every part, the good, the bad, the ugly, Jesus will take our brokenness and put us back together. Maybe you've had this done before. Maybe you know someone. I was just thinking through this idea of brokenness. Have you ever known someone that their, a bone in their body was growing wrong? And so what the doctor had to do, the doctor had to go in and actually break that bone. That bone wasn't already broken. It was just growing wrong. I had a friend who the, their leg was growing wrong. The doctor had to go in there and actually break the bone, set it in the right position, and then let it heal. Do you have something in your life where you're like, man, I have this brokenness. I, I know I'm going down the wrong track. Uh, I, I know that, that, that this is something that's haunting me, or I know this is something I get better at when God's saying, guess what? When you bring me your brokenness, we can set it right, and we can let it heal in the correct position. Is there sin in our life that needs to be broken today? You see, brokenness can be a spiritual reset. However, brokenness is only a season. God did not leave the woman in this story in her brokenness. If you're taking notes, write this one down. The second thing she gave Jesus was her best. The first thing she gave Jesus was her brokenness. The second thing she gave Jesus was her best. We live in a world that is constantly telling us we have to show our best, right? Social media, everything on TV and in movies, we always have to give this great picture of our best. Especially during the Christmas season. You're going to start seeing presents and decorations and all these meals and different parties that always represent what people think is their best. But understanding how to give Jesus our best can actually be a tricky thing. Because we see an example from two different people in the story who both people, both the Pharisee and the woman in the story, think they're giving Jesus their best. But what we're going to learn is there's a big difference between boast and best. Big difference. You see, boast is performance and appearance-driven. Our best is attitude-driven. Boast leads to fake perceptions. Best leads to genuine sacrifice. The Pharisees in general and the Pharisee in the story, they were all about the boast, even though they thought they were all about the best. Pharisees were known for judging people because of their past and present mistakes and decisions. They judged people on their appearance and viewed themselves as better than everybody else. This is where the Pharisee in this story kept getting confused because he looked at Jesus and said, if he knew who was touching him, he wouldn't let her be here. He wouldn't let her do that. What in the world's going on? You see, this Pharisee was looking at this woman's outer appearance. He was looking at her past when Jesus was looking at her heart. 
One way that Jesus describes the Pharisees is this. In Matthew 23, 27, 28, he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside you are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. You see, our best is not defined by our exterior performance. Our best is defined by our interior transformation. That's what God wants. I think we've been tricked sometimes into thinking that we have to put on the show for Jesus. God, look at who I am. Look what I'm able to do. When God doesn't want to see a show, he wants to see our heart. God wants our best. You see, we look at this perfect box. I definitely did not wrap this, by the way. We look at this perfect box. We're like, that's some beautiful wrapping paper. Look at how pretty and big this bow is. And we see this box. And if you were at a gift swap, you'd probably be like, I'm picking that. At a gift swap, you wouldn't be like, oh, sweet. Let me have that one. You'd instantly point that out. I was like, no, Caleb bought that thing. I ain't getting that. You'd, you'd see this and you'd be like, man, this is the one I want, right? But the thing is, when we look at that verse that Jesus, Jesus just said, when, when we're not giving God our best and we, we feel this pressure of, man, on the outside, I've got to put on this performance for God. I've got to wear this costume, this costume called the best. I've got to keep up with everything the world's telling me to do. But the problem is God opens this, and the inside is empty. What kind of gift swap is that? You see, God doesn't want the exterior. God wants the interior. Even though this one's filled with brokenness, even though this one's filled with our burdens, it's filled with our past, it's filled with our shame, this one is also filled with our future. Because God takes these pieces, he puts them back together, and he says, in me, you do have a hope, you do have a future, you have a purpose, and I have a plan. I'm going to take these pieces of your life, and you will become successful in Christ. This is what God wants to do. Don't be tricked into thinking this is your best, when really this is just a boast. God wants your best. You see, the woman in this story, she brought an alabaster jar to Jesus. Alabaster jars were, were made out of precious stones that were found in Israel. They had a marble-like look to them, and they were incredibly expensive. They were thick. So these jars would be filled with ointments and oils and perfumes, and the thickness would keep, keep it sealed in there very tight so that those things wouldn't spoil Many of these jars, in order to be used, the top had to be broken off, which means it could only be used once. And this is one of the reasons that many scholars believe that this woman was a prostitute. Because the way she was described in the story, but also because of this jar, because many prostitutes would have these jars as a way to lure men in, and a way to mask their odor. So she brings something that was highly expensive to her best, what she thought was her best, she brings it to Jesus, and she then uses it for God's glory and his honor. You see, she had been giving her best to the world, and she realized that she needed to give her best to Jesus. Every single one of you in here today has something to give to God. Because I know the enemy tries to trick us sometimes and tell us, yeah, okay, you resonate with that whole brokenness thing. 
Yeah, you've got plenty of brokenness to give to God, but you don't have a best to give to him. Yes, you do. Every single one of you can bring your brokenness and your best to God. You see, we need to ask ourselves today, what am I giving to Jesus? We need to ask ourselves, how do I make sure that I know how to differentiate between boast and best? Because sometimes it can be difficult. Let me say this. A way we can differentiate the two is when we live in the attitude of boast, it places the attention on us. When we live in the attitude of best, it places the attention on Jesus. You see, you might think the attention was on this woman in this story when she was kneeled down, wiping Jesus' feet. That would be a a scene right there, wouldn't it? What we see later in the story is where Jesus looks at the Pharisee and he uses this woman. He says, you didn't offer to wash my feet. You didn't do any of this. This woman came in here today and her faith has saved her. So let's also ask ourselves, Am I drawing attention to myself or to Jesus? This is a big difference in showing off our best and giving our best. You see, God doesn't desire a show. He desires our heart. When we give our best to Jesus, the result is an attitude change. Can you imagine how this woman then walked out of there? Hair would be all muddy. Her hands would be dirty. But she would have been made new doesn't mean that we're going to walk around now with everything looking perfect. We still may have messy. We still may have some brokenness, but we're walking with Jesus, and we're made new in Christ. A Bible verse you hear us use a lot is the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outer appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You see, God gave us an example of this. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth. A lot of people have been waiting in anticipation for Jesus to come. They thought he was going to be this reigning king. By the way, they understood king. They were expecting him to have this huge castle, be sitting on a throne. No. In the brokenness of humanity, God sent his son because he saw us in our need. He knew that our sin was separating us from him. He didn't want to be separated from us. He wanted a close relationship with us. He sent his son because he knew that our best was never good enough to achieve salvation. Our best is never good enough to get us to heaven. But God's best is. He sent his son not to a throne, not to a castle. He sent his son to a stable, in a cave, in a manger. Jesus didn't come wrapped up in a pretty box. Jesus came to this earth ready to get messy, ready to take on our brokenness, ready to meet you and me right where we're at. That's how our God came for us. You see, the woman in in this story, her outer appearance may have been scarred from her past, but her broken spirit showed that she was ready to break her idols, break her sin, break her past, and receive the best from Jesus. Every single one of you today has an opportunity to give God your brokenness and to give God your best. I know some of you, you have thought, 
and what best do I have to give? Jesus doesn't define best as the way the world defines it. Your best isn't having everything put together. It's not looking perfect on the outside. You may come to God and say, God, I'm struggling with this sin. God, I'm struggling with with this addiction. God, I'm struggling with pride. I'm struggling with greed. But God, right here in this moment, I'm going to give you my best. God, as a a dad, I'm going to give you my best. As a mom, I'm going to give you my best. In my marriage, I'm going to give you my best. At work, I'm going to give you my best. As a student, at school, I'm going to give you my best. God, it's not going to be wrapped perfectly, but I'm going to give it to you because I'm ready to see what you want to do with my life. You see, some of you need to be freed up here today. You don't have to wear your fake best. You don't have to wear that costume anymore. God doesn't look at our outer appearance. God looks at our heart. And our best is not defined by our works. What's really cool is our best can include our works. Because then we say, God, I do want to give you my best. God, here's my life. Here's my heart. God, I want to give you my talents. I want to give you my gifts. I want to give you everything about you that, that you created me for. That's how our God wants to work in our life. You see, one thing that's important to understand is that swapping the order of this is not a good thing. When we swap the order of this, this is what the Pharisee did. The Pharisee first wanted to swap the order and give God his best, but didn't have a broken spirit. When we swap the order, that leads to a faith based on works. When we keep the order correct, when we see our need for God, when we see our brokenness, that he makes us whole and then we desire to give God our best, that then becomes a faith built on grace and gratitude. I want to have that type of faith where I offer God my life and I offer him my best. You see, maybe you're in here today and you need to hear that your works don't save you, that Jesus is the one that saves you. He's the greatest gift we've ever received. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 tells us, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not from yourself. It's a gift from God so that no one can boast of their works. Isn't this so fitting? That the gift of God came down for you and me. Forgiveness and salvation are the greatest gift you can ever receive.